Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, Bud, got a lot to talk about, a lot of exciting things for one of these programs that's still playing football. Um, got a nice little conference championship game that we can talk to, bring in someone that's been joining us, uh, and seems like, since the inception of the podcast, and Mark Innocent a little bit here, but uh, yeah, we'll just get started into tonight's Nolcast. We did kind of a delayed instant reaction quote-unquote on the instant uh that came out sunday and uh tuesday evening so we're back here with you getting ready to preview a game and give you as good of an idea as to how saturday night might play out excited man we, we've gone uh, we've gone to charlotte a couple times now as uh as guys who cover this thing i still not a big fan i think of charlotte hosting this game like i, I get it it's where the conference is headquartered whatever but uh, our, our old friend Skip Foster pointed out it's like the only one of these games that that is potentially played in bad weather. Mm-hmm. Pac 12s in a dome, Big 10s in a dome, SC's in a dome, uh, Big 12 is also in a dome. You're out there playing this thing in like 48 degrees and sleep. Great. Love that. Uh, and the thing is, like, if you look at the the almanac of Charlotte, it's not always bad weather this time of year. But it damn sure is about every single time FSU plays up there for an AC title game, man. It is uh, it yeah. the uh, Virginia Tech game where the weather was so so horrible. Uh, yes, way back yeah, when that, that was yeah. that was not not a lot of fun. All right, um, Mark is here. Cool, bring him in. Let's do let's do this thing. Ennis, what's up, guys? What's going on, man? There we go. That's probably a little better. We're, we're not quite so vertical. Long time, long time guest of the program, long time friend of ours, Mark Ennis. Welcome back, man. Welcome back. I, I, how do I get the Nolcast logo off your head? We, we have guests so often on here that like it's very. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're, we're going to go with that. <laughs> well, I would have cleaned That's... up. I just moved in, so it's coming some slack. Nice man. Um, so, yeah, it, it was. It was sleep. We, we were discussing the awesome weather uh, that typically we have in Charlotte when, when you're playing in this AC championship game. Everybody else plays in a dome, kind of showcase the product. Here's like, all right, 48 and sleep. Get Temper to build us a dome. Dude, we need to. Like, he's. He won't even build their practice to... facility. He's not building us a dome. <laughs> Wait, the Panthers don't have a practice facility? He bailed out of building them one in like Conyers, South Carolina or somewhere. He's like, just quit it in the middle. Oh. Like it's right. half constructed, like like during the housing boom, you know, where like those uh, the subdivisions be like half built. It's like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's a, he's a uh, wild one, man. Dude, that's that's incredible. Uh, Rock Hill, according Rock Hill. we 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 have some Charlotte listeners who are very uh, they're very tuned to to the misdeeds of David Tepper. Um, yeah, we we should bring it back to Tropicana Field. That would be that'd be a great showcase for the AC <laughs> <laughs> title. <game. laughs> I'd oh, say what well, it's so bizarre. You guys will not uh, this will not resonate with you at all as Florida State uh, fans. But when when Charlie Strong beats Southern Miss in the Beefo Brady's Bowl in that stadium, that was super fun. Like that was a great fun game. Larry Fedora coaching South uh, Southern Miss in that game, like that was super fun. But, but what a dump! What a terrible yeah. place to play sports. It's just awful, <laughs> man. It really is. Halftime entertainment, like bring one of the bands, pet you know, you can not pet, but you can kind of touch the rays as they swim by there in the live tank. I mean, this is, this is man, they weren't even doing the cool ray stuff when, when Louisville played there. 
Oh, man. It was rough. So, Louisville's first trip to the AC Championship game. I, I do want to congratulate you on uh, on getting there. Um, it is the second time, though. Second time they've – technically, 2016, they tied for the Division Two. That was the Deshaun Trevor year? Freaking Clemson, yeah. No, that or, was the uh, Deshaun Watson Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. That was <laughs> – that's like a like an all time bad beat to miss out on, like to, to have have Lamar on that Louisville team and miss out is is ridiculous. And go, you know, and go nine and three and eight and eight and four with Lamar Jackson. It's kind of absurd. You saw Petrino's back at uh, at Arkansas. Oh, I did. Did you, did you see uh, on uh, on three? I think it was. I just tweeted a video where Petrino said that Jimbo he Jimbo made him learn Jimbo's lingo. Yeah, he made him call Petrino's offense, but using Jimbo's terms, so Jimbo could understand it. Unbelievable, man! <laughs> uh, although, if you cover, I bet the you guy, probably love very, very, very believable. Believable, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be my comment to that. <laughs> oh, man. I have to imagine like that sort of thing. That feels like like cosmic punishment for Bobby, right? Like having to learn someone else's lingo. Oh, I think so. By the way, do you guys? See the long play here that Arkansas. You bring Bobby in as the coordinator. You fire Sam Pittman after like five weeks. You give Bobby yeah, a chance. Yeah, like a short play. That, yeah, that's that's what they're doing. That's what this is. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. They, they've always wanted Bobby back, and yeah. Uh, is there a statute of limitations on these things? Is that what this is? Uh, well, they had to get a basically a a university president pardon. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't see that. So under Arkansas law, you're not or Arkansas's uh bylaws or their governors for for the university, you are not allowed to rehire somebody who's been fired for cause unless you're given a special exemption by the university by, by the uh, like the university system president or chancellor or whatever. So And they got it? They got it. Yeah. Man. Try to win some football the, games, Mark. What do you mean? Well, yeah. Oh, hey, back up for just a second. It's 2017 Louisville was awesome offensively, but bad defensively, and they went eight and four. But 2018, last year, and I don't really care about what he did at Missouri State. It's been a long time since he had a really good offense. That's the weird thing for me. Is it's like it's been a minute since he was like a genius. It wasn't like AM just set the world on fire. I, I don't get it on some of these. Like they're looking at also, DJ he's the Dirt. worst. They're like, yeah, DJ Durkin to go be the Mississippi State decor coordinator. It's like it, some of these guys have like secret secret resumes that I'm not aware of. I'm like, in what world has this guy been really good? Uh, that I, I mean, I do college ball for basically every day of the year. I, I really haven't seen it yet. Is wouldn't it be funny if all these guys are just amazing interviews? I could see that, but well, not on all. But like, I, I could see maybe one or two of them being. Oh man, just like a weird skill coaches have. They're just like super good at it. <laughs> Tell me about a time. Oh, you know. um, <laughs> we thought Mark was going to take a little bit longer to get here because I sent the invite to the wrong address. So I do need to remind y'all that we are on Prize Picks promo code Nolcast get you that one hundred percent deposit match bonus on Prize Picks. If you guys are following along with the Prize Picks, I know I've been saying like this is not repeatable. It's not realistic to win every single week. It's, it's you know you're not going to hit five twenty five X's and, and a bunch of other you know double ups and, and quads and whatnot. But we did it again, guys. We we, we hit five of six. That's a nice little double up there. We were uh, 0.58 fantasy points, I believe, away 
by John Rice Plumley from hitting another six for six, 25 extras. So, um, yeah, Ch Chad or our sponsors in the chat, we need that one more 25 to one this year. I agree. I, I would enjoy a 25 to one to finish out the year. Promo code NOLCAST gets you that 100% deposit match. I see Mark pulling out the phone. There we go. Download. I'm not fool. Do you guys have prize picks in, in uh, Kentucky? Haven't seen anything like that. No. Okay. I mean, we. I mean, it just be, mobile betting just became legal in October <laughs> in Kentucky. So, then no, uh, I don't not, think a lot. Not, of not betting. Uh, been... Daily fantasy sports. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just, just to be clear. Um. All right. So we talked at, at AC Media Day when, when we were all up there. And like, as soon as the schedule came out, I think I was texting. like, "This is an opportunity. If yeah. if Brom can get enough." It, Clearly, like like you you could foresee something like this record wise. Is this team is like the actual team, it, irrespective of the scoreboard type stuff? Is this team as good as you thought it was? Yeah, uh, they're they're as good as I hoped they would be. You know, and, and I think uh, everyone around here started to see um, and and kind of have the same uh, sense that they must think they really have a chance at something this year because it was after spring practice. Uh, they loaded up. Um, they hit the portal again after spring. Kind of uh, buttressed offensive line depth, uh, added a couple more pieces in uh, in the secondary on defense, and then added two more quarterbacks in Harrison Bailey as a walk on. But then uh, Brady Allen came over from uh, Purdue as well, and you kind of just started to get this feeling like they must be like they must think they've got something right now, uh, and, and there was way less attention i think kind of paid to like the long term and it was like let's how can we maximize this right now and i think the schedule was a really big part of it louisville went seven and five last year and i mean but you know the acc like the distance between 13 and three is not nearly as far as it would be almost anywhere else that louisville just didn't need to be a whole lot better than they were a year ago to win a lot more games and that, that i think that's what they did they got marginally better in a bunch of little places had a little bit of luck, let's be real, uh, and took advantage of the schedule that they had. Although I would add, you know, before the year, there's a lot of talk about no Florida State, no Clemson, no North Carolina. Clemson, North Carolina didn't turn out to be what we thought they would be. So, so be it. But I think they really did look at this and think, hey, we've got a chance to do something uh, that most years the schedule won't allow. Uh, let's go ahead and try to take advantage of it right away and hit the ground running. And they've, they've been able to sort of hit that that inside straight. Oh, sorry, Grant. I, I thought you were going next. Uh, what What's the identity of this team to you? Like, if, for for FSU fans out there who have not watched them, or, or not watched them much, I mean, like national TV games, FSU fans probably watch them against Miami and maybe against Notre Dame. But like, what What's this team's calling card? Uh, running the ball in defense. You know, I, I think uh, they don't ask Plummer to to throw it a ton, and I think their worst games this year are the games where he threw it the most. Uh, the pit loss and, and the Kentucky loss. And, and, you know, when they can run the ball, stay kind of ahead of the chains, throw on play action, that sort of thing. Uh, they're, they're really, really hard to defend, but they've not really asked Jack Plummer to, to light it up. He's been a true game manager. You go and look at like the, the win against Notre Dame or the wins against Virginia tech and Duke, you know, Plummer was like 12 of 19, you know, or, or 14 of 17 or something, nothing crazy. And it was really Jawar Jordan and Isaac Rinda running the ball, uh, and then playing, I think, really good run defense. 
uh, and getting after the quarterback for most of the year. I think that's where I would say, like, this is what they are. And they throw uh, under control, you know, uh, situationally, you know, just opportunistically, but they're not an air it out kind of Brom team like you would kind of think of those Purdue or Western Kentucky teams were, at least not yet. Uh, and then I think early in the year, they had really reliable, good special teams play as well. And I think the offense has has kind of stayed, but injuries have been a little bit of an issue. But the defense and the special teams have sort of taken a step back. And I think that kind of corresponds to what happened with Kentucky. Where um, where would you say injuries have impacted the team as they prepare for their 13th game of the season? Is there anywhere where it's particularly clustered? Yeah, I think at various times, guys on defense, uh, but really it's more than anything else. It's Jawar Jordan and Jamari Thrash both. Your best receiver and your, your explosive running back. I mean, you saw uh, Jawar's not big at all earlier in the year, and, and he would – I was kind of like, wow, he breaks a lot of tackles. And it's kind of the first time I've really thought about a guy breaking tackles by being fast. Like, gets guys to take bad angles. Go watch Notre Dame. Them safeties like, what? Like, just underestimating him. He's, he's kind of a flat-footed runner, but he's really fast. But you can just tell he is not right. He doesn't have near the explosiveness uh, that he had, I think, earlier in the year. And they've had to rely on Garendo and even Maurice Turner, a third-string back, a little bit more. That's where I think it's – it's taken some of the big play starch out of the offense. Louisville, I would not say earlier in the year the Louisville had a big, efficient offense. It was a big play offense, uh, and they would finish drives well, but it was a lot of explosive plays, uh, and they've had to be a little bit more methodical in the second four, or the, you know, the second half of the season, and it hasn't been quite as great as it was early in the year. With, with, with uh, Jamari and Coleman, like – Early in the year, I felt like like we, we would bet Jamari a lot or, or, or pick Jamari a lot rather on, on prize picks, and he would generally come through. A Georgia Tech game, I, I think, was was pretty good for us there. It seems like the volume of targets has gone down with, with with the injury. It do you think they filled that void, or is it just like not really replacing Jamari Thrash if his hand's not one hundred percent? Well, I don't think there's anybody else that's like really as explosive, kind of over the top. Amari Huggins, Bruce, maybe to a little bit lesser extent, but. Thrash is just, he's a great route runner. He's really technically sound. Uh, but when he hurt, he hurt his, his hand. And I mean, he had a really bad uh, drop against Miami. It was clear, like, it's almost like he doesn't feel kind of a part of this, you know, which is kind of rough, you know, for a wide receiver. Uh, but I think, like, the book kind of got out on them starting with Pitt. Pitt really muscled them up, wide receivers. They're, they're all kind of wiry. Not, there's no big, big guy. Chris Bell is one. Uh, but like Jamari Thrash and uh, Coleman and Amari Huggins, Bruce in particular, like I think teams were a lot more physical with them in the second half of the year. Uh, and they're not they're not built for that. And that's where I think Louisville having to run the ball and running it better really helped them earlier in the year. You can kind of take some of that off of them. Uh, and, and as as they weren't quite as explosive running it, I think they sort of muscled those guys up a little bit. I know Kentucky certainly did. and Miami did to a little bit lesser extent, too. How hard did you laugh when Miami's corner and safety smashed into each other, creating a wide open seventy yard touchdown? <laughs> I've never, I've really never seen anything like that. Yeah, because not only did they do that, like they didn't even see each other. You know, yeah. there was they didn't brace for impact. It, it was, I how the hell does that happen? You know, I, I've guys, I lived through a whole year of Brian Van Gorder, and we didn't do that. You know, like I've never seen anything like that. Although you guys want you guys want a good uh, Van Gorder story though, you, yes. Twenty well, there's a lot, but 2018 that opener against Alabama in Orlando where they got killed. Uh, Alabama like Louisville got like four 12 men on the field penalties. 
all of them on defense. And it was because they had a personnel group and a formation with the same name and didn't even realize it. So they'd call for it and just like 12, 13 dudes run out on the field. Uh, just un, like just an unbelievable amount of, uh, I don't even know, ineptitude with Van Gorder. I've never seen anything like him before. Do you think that's what, what Florida's problem is? <laughs> I wonder if Mark just like, like, if so, you should, you should bill Napier for that consulting <laughs> job. You just gave him that, that uh, they were at one point leading the country in Gainesville in uh, EPA lost to short yardage penalties and special teams penalties and offensive line penalties. Other, other than that, though, like pretty good way to win close ball games. Um, you know, and when you're trying to be like Iowa South with your offensive approach anyway, like it's really not great to be completely like inefficient with your uh, your penalty. And as like with fans, if you're you're if there's any kind of fan angst with a coach, there's nothing more fun to watch than a team with a bunch of offensive line penalties. God, yeah. kill me. No, that's awful. It's hard because they usually happen like the guys are 300 plus pounds. They don't hide very well. And they happen like before the ball snapped. So it stands out. Uh, just anything you got giant guys like reaching and stuff like it's it's hard to watch, man. Has this team gotten better over the course of the year? In some places, I think they have. I think the passing game has gotten better uh, over the year. Uh, but defensively, no. But but I think sort of overall, yeah, I, I think they have. Uh, I, I think they've they've diversified a lot. I'd say what they've brought the tight end position along uh, a little bit. They have nobody like they just had Jamari Johnson was like a super highly rated freshman, but he's guys. They're working real hard for him to not turn himself into an offensive tackle. Just being honest with you, he's a big boy. You know how those guys are. He's fighting, mm -hmm. uh, but not a lot of weapons there. And they, you know, against Miami, the tight ends had ten catches. You know, and early in the year, they couldn't have caught ten passes if they wanted to. Uh, so, like, I think the offense has diversified some. Uh, injuries have necessitated some of that. I think uh, defensively, injuries, uh, and I, you know, they were never good, really good impact guys at the two inside linebacker spots because they run that bear 425 stuff. You know, those guys have been nice, they've been fine, but I do think Virginia, Miami, Kentucky, all three kind of got to those guys for maybe the first time all year. So, uh, your tight end, this is a total blast from the past. I remember mm. back – do you remember when Facebook was just committing total fraud with their video program? Oh, I do. It totally sucked because, like, SB Nation hired a bunch of people and had to lay them off. Like, Facebook's like, oh, psych. Yeah, these video numbers are, are, are totally cooked and not real. Um, I'm like, oh, that's great to know since we've staffed up to do you know, pivot to oh, video more. Yeah, Fox made the, uh, the, the famous pivot to video. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of our absolute best videos back when I ran Tomahawk, which I don't even think is on their Facebook page anymore. I don't have access because, you know was Joey Gatewood being like a giant 13-year-old throwing next to Jameis at their <laughs> camp. He Joey Gatewood was like an absolute quarterback phenom from Jacksonville. Very mm -hmm. much so. Yep. Yeah. I mean it was it was crazy, man. I, called a lot of things, called the next Cam Newton, called called a lot of stuff as a uh, early Big teenager. Ben heard some of that stuff too, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that was that was wild. Um Malik Henry was there. Uh, who else? DeAndre Francois, DeAndre Johnson, a, a lot of dudes who did not end up working out too well. I, so one thing that we've kind of gotten a little bit of crap for from our audience is pointing out, like, we think FSU's defense is really good. But also, like, we don't really know 
they've only faced one passing game that I would say is like a good passing game, and it's a really freaking good passing game. It'd be LSU, and the starters held them to 17 points. So, like, your one data point is a freaking awesome data point as far as like yeah. facing good passing offenses. But you know, they got they got like the the backup for Pitt. You got the backup who I think you could probably argue is a starter for Virginia Tech, right? You got Syracuse's guy who was clearly banged up. And, I mean, Syracuse was just waving the white flag all game there. Miami chose to play their backup. Probably a mistake, actually, after seeing how well Van Dyke played the next week against Louisville. Okay. Um, you know, Florida got the backup, North Alabama. So, like, FSU is extremely good at shutting down, like, one-dimensional type offenses. And I, I think Louisville's the second – probably the second best passing offense they've seen i'm just it's hard for me to place it and yet i also see like when i look at louisville's schedule there's kind of some similar stuff going on here i think in oh, some yeah. ways i mean yeah louisville, louisville hasn't played a bunch of great passing offenses either yeah I, I don't like my system has louisville's defense rated really well and yet i'm scared to death to bet under here because like i don't i've granted that she's also got a backup quarterback going right you know but they have like they have weapons and playmakers that like Indiana and BC and NC State, you know, honestly Notre Dame, uh, you know Pitt, Duke, Vatech, Virginia probably don't have. Although Virginia's got the one kid who's pretty good. I I don't oh, know. Yeah. Like, is there something that? So you said the teams got to their linebackers. Is that just like hey, like teams figure out they can run at Louisville? Eventually. So, you know, it wasn't in the first half. It was enough. There was Louisville uh, held them to seven points. I think they had 89 yards uh, in, the, in the first half in that game in Kentucky. Uh, but in the second half, uh, I think Louisville started to kind of um, over-aggressively run blitz a little bit as that game got tighter. Uh, and Kentucky just broke through it. Uh, because Louisville uh, sacked uh, Leary twice. They had like six tackles for loss in the first half. Uh, and they didn't do hardly any of that in the second half. Uh, and that game just sort of got super ragged. I'll tell you what, uh, it's so frustrating to think about it. But they 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 had like a 15-play, nine-minute drive out of the half against Kentucky. And it's 17-7, six minutes to go in the third quarter. And I think they thought the game was over. I think they thought Kentucky was done. And, and then Kentucky runs a kickoff back. And it just lit the whole place up. And Louisville never really got back up off the mat after that. Frustrating. No doubt, but but to your point, what is it? Sorry, I think Louisville probably is one of the. One of the. I think Louisville is a better passing offense than just about anybody. Florida State team not as good as LSU. Like let's not kid ourselves. But you're also, I think, you're going to get Jeff in in needing redemption from the Kentucky mode. You're going to get some nasty stuff this weekend. Like I'm sure of that in terms of scheming stuff up. And, buddy, I'll listen to you uh, talking uh, after the Miami game about, like, Jeff was kind of in his bag with some of the passing stuff they did in that game, too. I think you're going to get something like that uh, in, in terms of running the ball, especially since Jawar's not 100%. So you're going to get a little bit more. Uh, the question will be just, to me, it would be strictly about protecting Jack Plummer. Like, that is, if you can protect him marginally, I think they'll, they'll be able to draw some things up here. I think this could be a super fun game. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Yeah. You might have just answered my question there, Mark, but what is it that if you see in the first five or ten minutes of the game gives you a great amount of confidence, uh, whether it's ability to protect the passer, get 
get uh, pressure on on Rotomaker or whoever it may be. But what is it? There's a question that you'll be looking for, and if you see it early, you think uh, ultimately Louisville will will win the day on Saturday. Oh, I, it's running. It's running the ball, uh, and I think kind of what Jawar Jordan looks like. You know, if these runs are 17 yards instead of seven, I feel really good because that's kind of what it was the first six seven weeks of the year. Uh, and, and then he was he was just human. He's still really nice. Uh, had a thousand yard season, but he's just he were he the take the top off part was a lot harder to come by kind of down the stretch as he's been. Uh, but Garendo kind of picked it up. I mean that 73 yarder against Virginia. Uh, late in that one that's going to put that one away uh, but if they're running the ball and kind of staying ahead of schedule that's when they get to get i think super aggressive with play action uh and and jeff's real good about punishing run blitzes too did that a lot uh this year uh and, and if they're in that mode then i'll like their chances in kind of a higher scoring game i like that i one thing with louisville's defense that that i've seen is just i mean they they mug the hell out of these a gaps. Honestly, like some of the stuff they do is kind of similar to what Miami does, right? Like it's it's a lot of it's a lot of blitzing. Like their stuff's a little bit like more predictable slash well executed. Miami's is a little more like crazy and and all over the place. Yeah, it's not frantic. Yeah, but yeah. like they bring a lot of a lot of different blitzes, or at least in in some of the games I've, I've watched. Um, and like they're they'll put everybody up there at the line. So like to me. That's a huge challenge for FSU when you have a backup quarterback. IDing that, handling that, make sure that the offensive line is work, working in concert, you know, with with your protection. Can you know? Can the quarterback get you into the right protection? Right, like those things are yeah. are pretty key to me. Uh, and I, I don't know how well you know they'll be able to do that or not. I, I like that's that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for in the first ten minutes. Right? Is okay. Is Louisville getting free runners into your backfield? because you're not handling some of their stuff. And Florida did a little bit in the first 10 minutes of the game as well, and they are able to settle down. But I I do fully expect Norvell to be in his bag as well. Like, th- this is one of the things, like, yeah, okay, is Plummer great? No. Is Tate great? Definitely not. Do I still think that these are two of, like, the absolute very best play callers in college football? Yeah. yeah. They're, they're generally going to find a way to score you know, in, unless the offense is just getting its ass, like, totally kicked you know, yeah. up front. And I, I think Louisville's default uh, uh, has been, or like they've been most comfortable in some, against the better offenses. They're like, screw it. We're going to take our chances with our secondary. Look, they, they really like the secondary and they have, we have Quincy Riley and Jarvis. Like safe. Devin Neal has been really nice. Cameron Kelly's been pretty nice. Storm Duck's been fine. Like they've had good depth, but they've basically said, we're going to take our chances and sort of a, man coverage and we're going to come after you i mean notre dame they there were no safeties like they was just you're not running the ball and they threw a t- they, notre dame threw one touchdown to a uh a cross player remember that that was insane like their best receiver was a true freshman lacrosse player yeah that was uh yeah. he was good in the, in the uh the, the miami dade high school all-star game like 12 months ago well hey but, there you go go figure but I, I think florida state is uh, you know we're talking about like the best passing offenses I, louisville definitely hasn't played wide receivers this good Definitely not. Uh, and that will be a challenge to that kind of default. Like, oh, well, screw it. I guess we'll play man and come after him. Like, Florida State can beat that better than just about anybody Louisville's played this year, for sure. For sure. And, I, like, I, obviously, I mean, when we watch, there's no doubt that, like, you know, Keon and Bell and those guys have, have been dinged. But they're still out there and, you know, still making important plays. You know, Johnny Wilson getting him back was 
was pretty huge. Like he's still, they kind of have this tandem thing going a little bit with, with their DNs and their receivers. It's like, okay, you focus on verse. I mean, Pat Payton was the rookie of the year in the league last year and, and has followed it up with a pretty damn nice campaign, right? Like you I, guys, where it's kind of the same thing. Are you guys aware of, of Johnny Wilson and like last year with Scott Satterfield and all that? Are you aware of like what happened there? Uh, no. Okay. So obviously he ate Louisville's ass up last year when Tate had to come in. And uh, after the game in the post game press conference, uh, somebody asked Scott a question about like basically what the fuck happened with him, Johnny Wilson. And uh, Satterfield looked at the guy was like, is that the tall one? And like, he he should have like he should have just left because like <laughs> I, I we've been talking about Johnny Wilson all week and everything and like I every time we would just say his name the the show text line is just like except the tall one like it just it just became like a thing that Scott it it, it kind of became emblematic of like details and these big moments like you don't even know the freaking guy's name you know that that sort of thing so he's yeah. infamous with us Johnny Wilson that's awesome the tall one. Graham, I think you're muted. Yeah. Uh, insightful commentary that Johnny is, in fact, tall. So uh, happy to confirm that. Definitely. You can't get that and, level of uh, excellence uh, no, in preparation. No, I was muted anywhere. for that. You guys want to hear that. You do want to hear that. Uh, no, Johnny's Johnny's one of the few people on the team that you just look at it and you're like, yeah, that's a totally different specimen, even yeah. in a, a room full of 85 D1 scholarship players. That, that's, that dude stands out and – he uh, missed a little bit in the middle of the season, but is probably Florida State's healthiest skill position, you know, or at least wide receiver option at this point. So um, you may see the tall one a little bit more again on, on Saturday. <laughs> Question is, will he see Jarvis Brownlee? Yeah, Jarvis was back uh, against Kentucky. Uh, was playing in spot duty a little bit, but it was like they, they wanted to bring him back the week before against Miami, but not totally sure. Jeff has been totally put on tilt about like the field because the right guard Renato Brown tore his ACL in the pregame warmup on that crappy field at Pitt, and like Jeff's oh, yeah. like just not basically he's afraid of grass now with these guys after the pit game and he really is mad about Pitt's, uh, Pitt's field so Jarvis did come back last week uh, against uh, Kentucky and played not the full like he didn't start but he was playing uh, uh, in the slot uh, and looked fine uh, so I think he'll be closer to sort of back to full duty, hopefully, uh, against Florida State this weekend. And maybe he'll get his chance at redemption against the tall one. So Ashton Gelati, like, wh where did he come from? Like, like uh, last year. Florida kid. Yeah. But, like, last year he wasn't this, was he? No, not, like, no, not, no. Like this. no not at all. And, and I, I think that uh, he – I was really worried that if he was going to be productive this year, that it was really just going to – or. or his productivity last year, that a lot of it might have been due to the fact that they had Yaya Diaby and Yasir Abdullah and Monty Montgomery and these guys, and he just – when would you ever double-team him it, with last right. year? And, and so – but they've been playing him a little bit more outside instead of as, you know, kind of a, a shaded uh, defensive tackle. He's been playing more kind of a true disruptive end role, and he's been great. I mean, he just has taken a, a huge leap. Uh, as a pass rusher uh, all year. I didn't really know he had it in him. I, I, mean, I really didn't. Uh, I thought they'd have to kind of manufacture some pass rush this year. He's a downright disruptive guy. It's been really, really pleasant to watch him sort of emerge uh, as like a, just a truly disruptive guy. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, 
No, it was a weird sound. I don't know. It was the Louisville Bellarmine basketball highlights that started on the other ESPN tab behind me here. Sorry about oh. that. I, I, Louisville I did win. You guys won? I'm not going to let that tiny little Catholic school around Barstown Road beat us like they did last year. <laughs> I don't even like college basketball. I have I have been following Louisville basketball just to watch the the, the train wreck that is. Uh... This would have been a bad one, let me tell you, just as a total aside. Bellarmine is a little Catholic school in town here, and it's coached by a guy that was on Rick's staff and coached high school basketball here and is very well liked by everybody, and they play like a Indiana Hoosiers kind of – style with these little dudes and they beat Louisville last year and they almost beat him this year too. It's, it would have been bad for Kenny. It would have been real bad. Anyway, sorry. Uh, something that is not bad is the legendary team. 844-FSU loan. 844-FSU loan is the number to call. I've called that number twice to get an awesome home loan experience. I think you guys should too. If you're in the market for a home loan, we know over 500 Dolcast listeners have called that number. They got hooked up with Chad. 844-FSU loan is that number to call. Chad's actually in the chat tonight. So, I mean, just, awesome as always not an Arden. uncommon occurrence at all no but yeah great great yeah. to have chad he, he is hanging on every word I and mean, we, we we definitely are looking forward to watching a good ball game and having calm reasonable text conversations throughout i am sure so <laughs> oh gosh um no they do a great job and a, a proud supporter of the null cast so if it goes wrong for louisville like we talked about what do you want to see that lets you know it's it's going well. What, like, kind of what scares you here? Uh, the wide receivers uh, for Florida State, uh, because I think if like they can win one on one, they can win when they're not open. You know, they can th that sort of thing. There haven't been a lot of those, uh, but Louisville did do a good job with uh, uh, Concepcion and NC State. They did do that, uh, but they just haven't faced a lot of guys. Uh, and Malik Washington wrote the Virginia like he did. He was awesome. They didn't have a great night against him. Uh, either, but if they're winning one on one, Louisville just doesn't really have a counter punch. You know, if yeah. uh, if their corners hold up, it, it'll be a rough night uh, for for Florida State. It's, I think it's kind of that simple. And the other thing is, Jack Plummer is. Do you remember um, in the office where Michael Scott is kind of making this joke where he's like, uh, "My biggest fault is that I care too much." You know, it's like, mm -hmm. what a a lame fault. Jack Plummer's kind of like that. Like his biggest fault is trying too hard and so he has uh, an uncanny ability to commit a, a ridiculous intentional grounding you know instead of just gets get sacked for crying out yeah. loud just get sacked you know he did that a lot or uh all intercept like just get sacked instead of trying to throw that thing and, and getting intercepted in the end zone at nc state stuff like that it, it's not like it's like are we going to get the good jack plumber or the bad jack plumber it's like are we going to get the good jack plumber or like the trying too hard jack plumber which is bad, but it's not like he's being terrible. Jack does not like make the wrong read and throw brain dead interceptions. It's like he really doesn't do that. It's bad situational awareness and that sort of thing because he just wants to make something happen all the time. He doesn't do a lot of live to see the the next play kind of thing. Uh, so if he's there, that'll also freak a lot of us out. I would apply a lot of what you said uh, potentially to Tate Rotomaker as well. Uh, you know, there's some decision making there at times that'll just make you wonder. And then there's a throw that'll just make you go, well, that kid's got a chance to play on Sundays. Um, so you, you get a little bit of everything from, from Tate or at least out of what we think. I mean, this sample size is still small, um, but guy who wants to do everything possible. And sometimes that'll create a moment where you're just like, Hmm, 
maybe we didn't need to try that hard on that one. So, is he better at anything than Jordan Travis? And I'm not being a smart ass and asking you that. Like sometimes, you know, the backup quarterback yeah, he, might have he throws a, a couple thing. throws a couple routes uh, that are much stronger. Um, I'm not trying to troll here, but like the ball that he threw to Johnny last year over Brownlee is yeah. a pass that I don't know that Jordan Travis makes with quite the precision. Um, there, there are moments at practice where you look at Tate and you go, "Oh, that's a that that's a special kid." Uh, he's he's got a he doesn't have a rocket for him or an arm, but he makes some throws that make you think that yeah, that guy's got a Sunday future. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm curious. He, it's it's definitely kind of see it throw it type thing. I don't know that the anticipation is like Jordan got a little better as an anticipatory thrower. I think this year, in 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 some spots. So like definitely, Norvell will have to scheme it open more for him. You know to to be able to trust it and see it. But if he sees it, he can get it there. You know it's it's not quite like Van Dyke where it's 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 got to be there. We're just playing five hundred, uh, but you know. Um, you know, I will say in in games this year where Louisville played a quarterback fairly inexperienced, they didn't do very good at all. <laughs> like the times where you would kind of expect, like, hey, they might be able to sort of be really exotic and really mess with this guy, it didn't work at all. Uh, Bayer at Pitt, it didn't work. Uh, Calandria handled them just fine uh, against against Virginia. Although I think Calandria is really, insane. I know he's good though, man. Like I like him, I really do. He's good in that like three turnover, three touchdown. Like, yeah. holy cow, how do we not get this guy on the ground? Like, how is this still a game type? Where world? would you like to see him play? Like, who would you like to see coach him? He is probably the closest thing I've seen to, like, Johnny Menzel. Okay. As far as, like, not a big guy, running around, insane throws, insane turnovers. Like, just the, the – He's a chaos agent. Like, he really was, is. Was it Maryland? He threw interceptions on three consecutive throws. <laughs> like – I mean, UVA was up, and then like, and the two of them were just like the worst decisions. They were like double coverage and late, but other than that, they were pretty good. And I mean, it, it was it was kind of I don't know where I'd want to see him play. Uh, he, he's from he's from Lakewood in St. Pete. So, I mean, he's you want, to, you want him to go play for Gus? He actually would do really well in that offense. I think, I think he would. I think he would yeah. too. <laughs> That's a, I, I I would probably go watch him play a, a, a game down here. Um, that is a good point. Tate may see it better than Jordan because he's he's a good bit taller. That's fair. I've really felt like though in watching, uh, you know, because I remember Jordan as a true freshman uh, up here, uh, and even in his early time at Florida State, I I felt like you could definitely tell early on they kind of didn't trust Jordan a lot. Yeah. In in terms of throws and lots of draws on third and eight and stuff like that. And I didn't, I didn't see any of that like this year, like they trusted him to do everything this year. He clearly had done a lot of like the classroom work, the mental work to where like they didn't, I didn't feel like they shielded him from anything this year. Agreed. And it, like they, they did, it did so much install in spring. I mean, it was a very veteran team. They knew what they had. Like the only real piece that they were going to add <laughs> late was, uh, uh, was Keon. Right, who was an excellent piece to add, certainly. Uh, but yeah. like they got a lot of, they got a lot of scheme done in spring, a whole lot, you know. So that was, like, they had a lot of stuff to throw at you, and and still do, I think, honestly. Um, but a lot less it, so without Jordan. That that was, uh, I think, a lot of what went into the decision to 
for Jack Plummer to come here too. When Jack Plummer comes and rolls in January, they go to spring. The quarterback already knows the offense. Yeah. Instead of everybody having to learn it, the freaking quarterback already knows it. And it, it just put them that much further ahead uh, in the spring. So is he a world beater? No. He's not gonna, I, he's not gonna play in the NFL, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. He's not gonna play in the NFL, I don't think. You look at the guys that make it though, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't think he will. But I, I think the big purpose was uh, to just sort of speed up the install process for Louisville. I think it allowed them to just to be so much further ahead. Every rep that he was there in spring, like if your quarterback already knows the offense, I mean, how much further ahead could you possibly be? I think that's fair. Uh, sorry, Graham. No, man. No, just reading reading some of the comments and interesting to hear hear your thoughts there. Uh, so, you think uh, you have confidence uh, your offensive line can protect Plummer? Give him time. What is what is your internal thought as to your line and the particularly your tackles and tight ends? Yeah, I think the offensive line is held up better as a pass blocking offensive line. Uh, where I think that where they have faltered at times uh, is in running against uh, act like super active fronts like NC State totally messed them up mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're not huge, but they're really good. And it's really weird. Uh, but Florida State's huge and good. So it's a, a little bit more of like a traditional what you're used to seeing, but way better guys doing it uh, and way bigger guys doing it. I don't I mean, they certainly haven't faced anybody like Jared Burst. For instance, yeah. uh, but they, you know, for most of the game, like for instance, they did pretty well against Deion Walker in Kentucky. Like the dude is enormous, uh, but in crucial moments, they did not. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say like I'm swimming in confidence they'd be able to to hold up there. But this is where I think running the ball and running it early is is going to be vital uh, for them just to sort of get some of those body blows on the uh, on Florida State's defense for later in the game. Because in those games where they haven't run it great early, it just becomes kind of a free-for-all later. you yeah. got to get your those softening blows in there. I will say that Florida State probably, for a position coach that's prided himself on rotating players for 20 years, um, Florida State rotates, particularly on the interior of the defensive line, as much as anybody that I've seen. Uh, there's snap counts of, to give them credit, they've kept a lot of wear and tear off those guys. Uh, Florida State in general is is banged up. But the defensive line, particularly the defensive interior, is probably as healthy as as any unit on the team. Uh, and they've kept – Bud and I do a snap count draft every year. <clears throat> I'll be fascinated to see where it is because a lot of guys that I thought would be in the low 600s or something like that, probably 150 to 180 snaps off where I thought they'd be at this point. So uh, just something to keep an eye on as you – you're talking about a game, you know, like I said at the beginning, we're talking about the 13th game of the year here, and everybody's going to be worn to an extent. But uh, I will give Florida State coaching credit that they've they brought in a couple extra guys and they've used them well. Uh, and Braden Fisk may be, may be uh, one of the better interior players that, that Louisville will see this year. If, if FSU wins, that's definitely – like if I have to predict what we're talking about on Saturday night, it's – you know that look. This defensive line is the best D line Lul's faced. It's really healthy. They're really ripping right now. And like like when I look at Louisville's like stats breakdowns and like where their explosive plays come from, it's hey, can you limit the explosive plays they create on early downs off play action? Mm -hmm. And then like their pass protection in obvious passing downs, like has 
it, it's a material drop off, even relative to like the rest of the country, as far as like their their sack rates allowed on like standard downs and with play action, as opposed to just like you know third and five plus. It's it's pretty like red across my screen, and like to me, that's got to be FSU's goal. It's like, hey, do not allow explosive plays on early downs. If Louisville runs for three four yards, whatever, right? Like, yeah, they probably won't do that. 10 yard or 10, you know, 10 times on, on a drive down the yeah. field. It's a pretty good run game. So like maybe one drive, but like, they're not going to consistently go four, 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 you know, yeah. it's, can you limit the explosives early and then get off the field in longer down and distance with the D line? Oh, I think you're hundred percent right. And I think it was, it was kind of funny. I think early in the year when there was still kind of the feeling out, uh, what are these guys good at? That sort of thing. Part of the offense before it's pretty obvious. Jeff settled on, Oh, Hey, we're really good at running it. Uh, they would have these games where that you know uh, get in, into the high 30s and 40s and be like two for 12 on third down. Yeah, you know, you know like how is that possible? Because they were like they were just these giant plays, but not especially efficient. Uh, and then it kind of has sort of started to do this, where like you know they, I think they've gotten better at some of that methodical stuff, but then that has come with the big plays being far less of a thing uh, than they were earlier in the year especially the big throws kind of over the top. They've really had to work those as a, like a play action thing. Uh, whereas like against Indiana, they had dudes open earlier in the year. Uh, I think the other thing with, with Jack Plummer is you would, you certainly wouldn't look at it and think like, this is a guy that's mobile and he's not crazy. He's not like Calandria or what, you know, any of that, nothing like Jordan Travis or anybody, but it does seem like early in games, watch this. This would be something to watch for. Like if he's running because he wants to, Things are going well, but if he's fleeing, things are not. And, and I think there have been times where uh, I think he's – you hear quarterbacks say this sometimes, like running with the ball, kind of getting hit, so it sets the pads, you feel good, like he sort of settles you down a little bit. He's one of those guys for sure. So if, if you get a, a third and four and he gets out of the pocket and, and converts and keeps them on the field, that sort of thing, you might be getting the good Jack Plummer that day. Do you feel like they're a good screen team? Because I always yeah. feel like Brom teams are good screen teams. Opportune, uh, good yeah. opportune screen teams uh, for sure. Uh, and he is, uh, he's, it might be one of the places offensively where he's most like Bobby, where Bobby was a really good screen, uh, is a good screen coach. And I think Jeff's, no, I, wide receiver screen game has expanded throughout the year too. Um, they're really good. I'll tell you what, it's been one of the biggest places that, that offense is different from Scott to, to Jeff is, the running backs in the passing game, just overall, uh, for for a guy who loves running backs, Scott was very weird about. They just didn't do it, uh, and the checkdowns and design stuff, you know, to the running backs has been a really big part uh, of Louisville's offense. And some of Jawar Jordan's early big plays were were catches and screens and that sort of thing. Uh, so I fully expect that to be a, a heavy part of what they do, especially with Florida State being so good and active up front. I think you'll see it early and often if it's working. Real quickly, we'll thank two of our sponsors. Congruity HR has been a fantastic podcast to the Nolcast, to the Battles In, to Elliot Smith, and many other different entities that I've been a part of. Uh, fantastic service, uh, great support when needed. Uh, Matt Lewis, fantastic Seminole, and been a great asset for the Nolcast. And always want to thank the great people at Madison Social Township and Charlie Park for their long standing support. Of the Nolcast, I think this is like the ninth or tenth podcast that uh, Mark has now been up on, as uh, they have sponsored us pretty much since day one. So, big thanks to Madison Social as always. And if you're not going to Charlotte this weekend, there is no better place to watch the game 
than one of the for the table restaurant group properties. How was the hey, uh, how was the punter? I got to ask about this. Because I'll, like, I'll get to you. I'll get hold on. I'll get to your punter in just right. since you mentioned you know doing this year after year after year like we've done. I can remember pacing on my back porch before and doing this with you guys before the Jameis Thursday night. Uh, game in 2014 yeah. which was a oh, wonderful God. football game like gosh what a great game uh that was but that's how long we've been doing this and i appreciate that yeah <laughs> we're so old yeah right? old. that's the only oh, thing that i can I think of there. now old yep <laughs> yeah seriously that, that's uh yeah I, my, my son couldn't sleep tonight and i was like what's wrong he's like oh, I was, I, i'm just not sleepy like, is oh, it because boy. you have assembled like a lego city where you're supposed to be laying your body on the bed like, yes <laughs> Okay, and the lights are still on. Mm -hmm. okay. All right. See, I just you got to you got to be good at analysis in multiple phases of life, right? Um, That's right. So, you know, football exactly. identifying problems with bedtime. You know, <laughs> you call out the mic. Is that what you're doing there? Yeah, exactly. Like that's a Lego <laughs> city, like literally in your bed. So what? What are exactly. we? What are we doing here with this? No, I, I'm just frankly quite annoyed by all these good punters that issues faced in a row. Uh, like Miami's punter just looked like, you know, just Superman out there for the most part. And then uh, Florida's punter is hitting like 60 yard moonshots mm. in the swamp, which is great. Like they played every single punter. No, no, okay. nothing. No, nothing like that at all. And in fact, it's funny earlier in the year, uh, it, Brock Travis that was doing both kicking and punting. And now he's not doing, he's just punting. Uh, he kind of played himself out of the kicking role, uh, which he sort of just sort of slid into by necessity. Uh, and they they went to a God. This is crazy. This has been a running joke on the show. I'm like, guys, I don't ever pay attention to special teams in the preseason. Like the kickers and punters, I don't, I don't, I don't learn who they are. I don't know anything until the season starts. I just don't. It's stupid, but I don't. So everyone's been busting my ass because like Brock Travis was really good earlier this year, uh, and then late in the year, I like got Miami. He like he hit a, a an extra point. They blocked it. It looked so bad. They benched him. Like, it just, you know, the form, like, they just put in another dude. To the kid that had come from Cal, I didn't even know he had joined the team. And he and he puts him in. He knocks down a field goal. He kicked all the field goals last week. He did fine. I don't know who any of these people are. This the backup punter? You don't, who's, who's Florida State's backup punter? Shoot, who would it be? I have no idea. Louisville's backup kicker is Nick Lopez. Like, they have one, but it's always, like, do you trust him to like like in a game? Would you let the backup do it, or or like do you think they like? Do you think they would go to Fitz? Good question. I'm know. unaware as to who the backup punter is. I'm I'm staying with that. Uh, One of us. I, I love I love the Dabo Sweeney approach of just grabbing a kicker and then broadcasting it that he hadn't kicked in a year or something, and then. Asking him to <laughs> kick a game-winning field goal. That's, the whole that's, game on his shoulders. Yeah, that's the approach. That's how I think you should approach special teams, definitely. Be like, yeah, kid told me he needed to go kick because he's worried he might tear his hamstring because he hadn't kicked in a year. But, uh, no, he's going to be our kicker this weekend. We'll see how it goes. Um, Sean McDonough, who's so good, uh, like, he wanted so badly for this story to not suck. And, like, every yeah. time we're like, this guy's wearing, like, a, a you know a, a finance bro vest just last week, and now he's kicking, and it's like, it just, Yanks, it's not like it, like two non competitive kicks, and he's like, oh. Yeah, to answer your question though, in terms of punting, it is a non factor, it's not bad, it's not 
out of this world. Like Louisville's punter last year was that Vasek kid that punted for Colorado this year who ended up punting a lot. Uh, he he was really good. And Louisville's punter this year is fine. It's not – he doesn't shank him at the worst time. He doesn't boom them. He, they're just normal. It's just normal. How big is the snub of Quincy Riley to not be first or second all-ACC uh, all team? Like what? what is it's going the, on here? It's the proverbial uh, – well, first of all, I think this will resonate with your audience. He doesn't play for a school in North Carolina. Mm. Uh, where everyone who votes for these things is, for the most part. Uh, but it's it, more than that. It's the proverbial, he doesn't have any stats because they don't throw at him. You know, like That's that's how that goes. You guys know what that's like uh, with all the good corners for states had over the years. Like they just, he doesn't, he doesn't have anything because they don't try him. Uh, and Kentucky did once and it, they worked. And it was like, God, I forgot what it was like when people even try that. Uh, so yeah, it was, a, I think local folks were pretty pissed off. They felt like that was a shoe in. He's, he's fantastic. Uh, and, and he's, I think he's a victim of his own success. He doesn't have a bunch of plays because teams just don't try. Mm-hmm. QBR against a five. <laughs> wow, I didn't know on the that. year on targets. Yeah, yeah that's uh mm-hmm. adjusted uh, yards per attempt, one point six. Good lord, wow. Yeah, like, he's better than I thought. Like I didn't know it was that. Good. <laughs> I, I saw David Hale tweeting about it, and it was like, yeah, this guy is good. I was like, wait, he didn't make first or second. He's he's honorable mention. Honorable mention. Yeah, zero percent chance that we had. Was it nine corners ahead of him? Yeah, in the see that. But that's where you got to like watch like, and not just go look at the stats. You know, like, like I'm a FWA member. I get the vote. I get to vote on the awards. Like they send you uh, a Blitnikoff award, right? Tell us the quarterback club or whatever it is. Like you get the thing. Here are the finalists and here are all their stats. Like, Quincy Riley doesn't have any stats, but that's because that's how good he is, not how bad he is. And yeah. and North Carolina is just going to vote for North Carolina people. It's, we know how this works. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this this conference is. Well, they, they don't they don't like y'all. They don't like us either. Did Did you see the uh, the tweet FSU sent out? I did about the viewership. Oh, the petty the, the the petty on that was, and we've had some good ones from Nolcast account recently for for as petty, but like this 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 FSU official tweet was. Do you think the chat saw it? All right, if you're listening at home, FSU sent out something that's like, oh, five million viewers or or whatever against Florida. That's the fifth time this year FSU's crested five million viewers. Like that's more than the rest of the league combined in non FSU games. It was basically yeah. just like a rest of the league you know, combines come to three. So I know Louisville had one of them. Yeah, that was was that Notre Dame. Louisville does okay. Yeah, yeah. Louisville does all right viewership wise. Louisville does good. They do. I, I'm much more willing to buy in that Louisville is a decent draw than this idea that Wake Forest is like the fastest growing football brand in the country. I'm like, guys. Come on, like we we have eyes. We don't use them to watch your team. You know what Louisville is? They're not uh, a blue blood or anything like that. They're just over the years, like for for twenty years, they've been fun. They've been offensive minded for the most part, except for when Charlie uh, was here. But even then, those teams were fun. They've been fun. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, they've been the Teddy Bridgewater and the the freaking game against y'all in the rain in two thousand two. Like they've been fun. John L. Smith's crazy. Bobby's crazy. Like it's it's been fun. The the games they don't win. It's not Iowa. These games are going to be in the forties. It's going to be super fun offensive stuff. It's going to be Lamar. Like well, it was fun. They, I think people are like, ah, we'll see how that one's going to go. And uh, like when they get a chance to play teams that people also want to watch, they do all right. 
how strong is the Papa John's curse? Is it real? There'll be a day of reckoning. (laughs) I'm going to eat a pizza every single day. (laughs) It's, you know, it's kind of amazing. Like that whole stadium naming rights deal and how like kind of poorly some of that stuff was executed. That naming rights deal was not with like Papa John's corporation. It was with John Schnatter. And and in perpetuity, like they were never going to get any more money out of it. Like it was just into eternity. And he has uh, like the queen's box. Like he has a suite with like these giant ornate gold doors and everything that he still has. And I've never been in there. And I've been. Does he go to games? No, not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, But like it's still there. You just see it. And it's just kind of like a museum to how it used to be. It's very weird. Just a weird weird thing weird like with the some a lot of that when they got that stadium because like, it was just like god just get this thing built and he helped he was a big help an enormous help uh with that also one of the weirdest people you just ever encounter just golly man i've never met anybody like him never <laughs> never he used to like piss off his neighbors just like fly a helicopter to his house in the neighborhood and stuff like that like just a wild dude really wild that's a pretty good flex though Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, just just dro- dropping a helicopter. In the front. Yeah, yeah. Just like 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 four miles from here, you know, just like in a neighborhood, and he's just got a helipad. He's wild. Fan base wise, I assume Louisville fans are are over the moon here with this season, despite the Kentucky loss. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, actually, I'll tell you guys, it's been very weird. Uh, you know, I've been doing post game shows for over ten years now. Uh, it was really kind of where I got a foot in the door, uh, radio-wise. And I can remember some really nasty, heated post-game shows. Uh, this one was like the tamest, most, eh, better, you know, for a freaking rivalry game, freaking Kentucky and all this. I really was like, I, I need my asbestos uh, headphones for this one. And it was it was nothing like that. It, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that for the first time with that rivalry game being at the end of the year, uh, there's another game. And it's it's an objectively important one uh, that you could just sort of move on to. And I really it will not like erase the sting of losing a stupid rivalry game, a stupid Kentucky, but it'll help. It'll help a lot. Are you happy Stoop stayed? Well, I feel like I'm I'm an asshole if I'm like, yeah, I'm happy that he stayed because they just won again. Uh, but man, if I'm him, I, I feel bad for him, and I mean this sincerely. I feel bad for him. Because they hired him again. Like, Mike Elko is Mark. They are the same dude. Uh, And and he's done even less. Uh, And I think that Stoops has been really good about, like, sort of not really whoring out for other jobs or anything like that. Uh, And then was finally like, all right, now's the time. Uh, And I'm going to take one more shot at a place that I'm working. Because he had like kind of that famous rant earlier this year where he's like, well, if you didn't like how we played against Georgia, pony up. you know." (laughs) Uh, And he was going to go to a place where he would never have to do that. Uh, And I I understand the the, the allure uh, of trying that. And boy, I really do uh, wonder about, but I've heard you talk about this on the cover three a lot, uh, about life as one of those schools in the SEC when – OU and Texas show up, and they're divisionless, and Kentucky doesn't have Mississippi State, South Carolina, Arkansas, Missouri every year. And Vandy. Uh, and, and, and Vandy, thank you. Yeah, like that's 
Although Missouri obviously has been good this year. Uh, they've look, give Stoops credit. Even when those schools were on the schedule all the time, they weren't any damn good uh, until he got there. But like they've permanently kind of settled above those places. Uh, and, and the uh, the work that he's done there is out of this world. I remember just sort of trying some media stuff for a local uh, organization and going to Kentucky spring game. There was nobody there. This is Joker Phillips. And I'd never heard of any of these guys that were out there. And none of you have either. And and now, it, you know, routinely first-round draft picks and they're winning seven, eight, nine, ten games. And they've got a five-game winning streak against Louisville. They've never had that sort of thing. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, he's just in, in an impossibly difficult, it's the opposite life Louisville lives, uh, in the ACC where it's like for Louisville, you just get marginally better in a handful of things. You're a freaking 10 win team. Yeah. Uh, and with Kentucky, if you're marginally worse at like a couple things, you go seven and five, maybe. Uh, and that like he, he, he recruits extremely well for Kentucky and it doesn't matter in the SEC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't gain any ground on anybody. I, I got into this actually with some Florida fans today on Twitter. You'd be shocked. And they were arguing that uh, if Florida had played FSU's schedule, they would easily be bowl eligible. Oh, I was like, I, okay, we live this life up here. Right. And I was like, look, okay, I actually don't completely disagree with that. Like, I think there is some chance that you would be. However, the reverse is not true, right? Like, w- what is a difficult schedule for, let's call Florida a team that's appropriately power rated somewhere between like 25 and 40, right? Like, they're not a bottom two-thirds team in the country, but they're certainly not a top 25 level team this year. Yeah. Like what is difficult for a team of that level is not the same thing as what is difficult for a team that like, you know, pre-Jordan injury, most power ratings had them somewhere between like four and 10, you know? So like there are different magnitudes of difficulty based on how good you actually are. So like, yeah, would Florida make a bowl on on FSU schedule? Probably. Would FSU be losing four games in the SEC on Florida schedule? No. Like that's right. We're relatively confident in that. So yeah, it's it's not exactly the same. Like like it's not always the the reverse is is true. You know, hundred um, percent. But I will say, the worst part about losing that freaking game is the SEC thing. It, it, I blood. I saw your shoulders. Yes, you. This is life. Right. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and the ability to sort of, well, it was cute that you guys did that, but once you played an SEC, you know, and, and it's not true, but what can you say when you lose the freaking game? Uh, it, and so until they change it, you're just going to have to listen to that. And it sucks. It sucks because they don't know shit about football. Do we need to talk about this playoff ranking thing? For Louisville? No, no, for, for well, oh. for Louisville, this, this game actually has some implications, right? Because if you guys yeah. win, you go to the Orange Bowl. If they lose, they go to the Orange Bowl, as long as they don't fall behind NC State. And if you win, you also go to the Orange Bowl? Correct. Y'all are the ones that are in the weird position of either going to the Orange Bowl or like the Pop-Tart, uh, the, uh, yeah, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, right? This they is sort of high stakes for us. Would FSU get in that large? It kind of depends, I think, on the others, right? Okay. Like, this is all going to sort of fall uh, together. Like I was mentioning uh, with you when you were on the show with me, which I appreciated. Good, fi- a lot of good feedback on that, but I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, uh, the fascinating thing to me to watch in this one is if the, if we, anyone gets any sense that Florida State's playing with, like, the message they think they need to send in mind instead of just trying to win yeah. the freaking game. Because I, f- I feel like it, it it almost never, ever, ever works to try to go out there and like, we're going to send a message. Uh, it, 
you, you try to get it all on every play and it doesn't work. And I, I will be fascinated to see if the earlier games, if the Pac-12 game was that on Friday, if the earlier games sort of create a scenario where Florida State thinks they have any reason that they need to like send a message or make a kind of impression to make sure they make it, uh, if they press, I, I don't know. I'm not predicting that, but I think it's just something to watch for. Is that a Dune reference behind you? Cowboy Bob wants to know. A what reference? <clears throat> oh, uh, we're talking Dune. about the... Uh, the uh, no, like, no. Okay. No, that is uh, Marcus Aurelius. That is a... Uh, I'm a big fan of the Stoics. So that's a love of fate. Nice. That's what that means. I, I think... Uh, I really do think, in, unless they come out there and just look horrendous in, in a win, which like, like a 7-3 win with a defensive score <laughs> or something like that, right? Which... Yeah. Given these two head coaches, I find even with the weather to be extremely improbable. Uh, yeah. Like, when's the last time that that Norvell and Brom have now found a way to score some points? Right. Uh, very, very unlikely. Um, I do think FSU is in with a win. Um, I agree. I agree. I I, I think uh, the it's hard for me to envision any uh, scenario unless it just feels like they didn't deserve to win. Right, like if they win yeah. in some sort of weirdly controversial way, or or something like that, uh, where everyone's like, "Man, like that was fraudulent." Like unless that happens, and I don't know, uh, Texas wins the Big Twelve championship game like fifty six to nothing or something, uh, then then maybe the people will be willing to like be open to the discussion about something like that. But uh, I think if Florida State beats Louisville like they beat Florida, they're in. I'm sympathetic to the to the people who are like. Hey, we actually do need to evaluate like who, who's on the team, who we're going to be putting in the dance. If that's what they always did, like Hancock the other night saying, "Oh, we got to we got to pick the best four teams." Like, yeah, that's cool. That's your mission statement, but it's been your mission statement for the last twelve years, and it ain't never been the thing you guys do. You pick the most deserving teams. So, why are we going to deviate now? I don't know. We'll we'll see. I don't I don't disagree with that. I mean, at some point, this sounds so stupid to say, but like at some point. Isn't the point to like play the games and then oh yeah and and win them yes right Uh, and and then find out about the teams that win their games right exactly Uh, you know it's what I hate about this is when we do have this discussion making Florida State sound like they play in the Sun Belt you know you know like like they're Hawaii right from years ago right like like as if like we have no idea if they're good or bad just because we think their schedule wasn't that hard. Uh, and, and that's just, it's like self, uh, not self-refuting. Yes. It's a, like, it's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's almost a, a like circular, you know, it's like, they're not good because they're, they're not in a good league and they're not in a good league because they're not good. Like it's, it's silly. Yeah. If they win, I think that they're in, uh, but boy, this is, we finally have gotten like close to the closest we've ever been to like a bunch of undefeated teams at the end of the year. But I know you've been calling attention to like, Teams at the top just didn't get upset this year. They're 118 and two. <laughs> the, 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 the the preseason top, or sorry, 116 and two. The preseason top 15 went favored by 10 or more points. 116 and two. Like, yeah, and you've got you've got Oregon. And Clemson was lost. Yeah, you got Oregon whose only losses to undefeated Washington. You have Ohio State whose only losses to undefeated Michigan. You have one loss to Texas. You've got yeah. undefeated Florida State. I really wish Louisville. Beat. It, I don't. I don't really know how I feel about this. I started to say I wish they were 
11 and one. It'd be good for Florida State. Florida State, like Florida State, kind of lost when Louisville lost to Kentucky too. Like this is kind of a, a, a tough situation, I think, for Florida State because I think if yeah, they thanks, beat, guys. I know if they beat Louisville, like people are gonna be like, well, they lost to Kentucky last, you know. Uh, but if Louisville beats Florida State, people are gonna be like, well, they didn't have Jordan Travis. So at least there's no playoff implications for that. Uh, people being like, well, that was fraudulent too. Like I think Louisville just wants to win. I don't give a damn how it goes. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to ask you guys, where has Mike Norvell gotten better? Because I didn't think he was this good like the first year. It was pretty ragged. But he, I would he say really settled in. Like ballsiness of, of commitment to commitment to the approach. Okay. Like I, I knew guys on that staff. I don't know. I don't know if we ever said this before on the show, but we could say it. Like they're winning now. It doesn't sound quite as crazy. They lose to Jacksonville State, and some of that staff thinks they're going to get fired, you know, which is not an unreasonable assumption if you're starting out. Well, they start 0-4, I think, right, and then lose to Jacksonville State. And they were like, Mike came in the next day. Nothing had happened. Same approach, same, like, ridiculous energy, like they, like he had just drank three Celsius back-to-back-to-back before he came in the meeting room. Like, hey, like, what, what a blessing it is to be able to go and attack the day. Like let's let's go out there. Like we we have so much work we'd like to do, so much room for improvement. Just the like robotic belief in the mission, I think, and not not like pivoting and or not not pivoting and panicking. Hmm. I, I I think is something that like a lot of people probably wouldn't have had the balls or the or just the belief to do, right? Um, Hell, I don't know if he knew he would. Like, it's not like he's yeah. had adversity like that as a head coach before. Yeah, that that's my answer. As somebody that's gotten a little bit better look behind the program this year, it's just the consistency. It's the same level of energy, same focus. It's there every day. The players know it's legitimate, authentic. Um, he's just pretty – I mean, everybody in this industry is meticulous, or everybody in this industry should be meticulous. Uh, the tall guy, Joe. All the good ones are. Yeah. Again, um, but it's there and it's there every day, and it's kind of like compounding interest that when you just do it enough, it just starts to stack on top of each other, and and I think that's what's really taking place there. He he definitely looks like he has command now. You know, I think there was a lot of uh, the trial and error and flailing and trying to get my footing and COVID, which was not easy for anybody and all that stuff. Uh, and now he very much looks like somebody unflappable. You know, kind of that. At, yeah. at the helm uh, and it's impressive no I, i've been very impressed with with the fortitude uh, uh sticking with that uh, and rebuilding that roster i mean th- this looks like a lot more like the florida state we're used to seeing uh, in my yeah. life at least i think being a first year covid coach would impact everybody i do just think that his style was probably he was the most impacted because he is somebody that's there that's going to be there every day when you walk in the locker room and he's sitting there you know yelling at you um in a loving manner but he's he's just there it's his energy's contagious um to think of that guy trying to coach via zoom is yeah kind of hilarious to me yeah uh so that's a great point i, I hadn't really thought about just yeah style wise I, I i was talking to a guy at new mexico state and not, not a guy on the staff, but got it, you know, was around there, covers him. He's like, dude, man, Jerry Kill, 
yells the entire three-hour practice, just screams at these kids, dog cusses them, and then they go up and give them a hug after. Like there's just there's a certain level of like you know trust and love you got to you got to build up to be able to coach somebody like that hard every single day, you know, and have them like kind of want to swing on you, but also know that like you know whereas like swing on someone for you too, right? Whereas like with Petrino. Yeah. When it was going good, it was good, but also like clearly, like we've, I think we've all heard some of the stories of, of when it was, yeah, when it was going bad. I don't think you have Jordan Travis, right? If, if, oh no, if that's right, treated people the right way. Um, yeah, you're right. So, you know who else is like that? I don't know if you've ever talked to players who played for him, Todd Grantham. Do like players love that guy, love him. Mm. Huh. Yeah. David Pollock will still talk about that guy being, one of the biggest influences on his life. The Louisville uh, players freaking loved him. And he was like how you were describing Jerry kill. You know, he would just crush these guys, but then come Saturday, like they took it all out on everybody else. Like he just, he was a wild man. Also funny Todd Grantham story. Saw him in public all over the place for the time that he was here in the same shirt. Every time. <laughs> It's one of the most like, amazing things I've ever seen. Like, not like he had like he owned one shirt, I think, or like like he the same model. It's like he like had a going out style. shirt. No, yeah. I'm saying like he had like a going out polo, <laughs> and like he just had it on. It was like kind of a grayish Louisville polo, probably like the first one Louisville gave him when he got here. And like any like every, two dozen basketball games a year, any kind of media day, all of it. That shirt, it was amazing. I told you the Tom Herman story about Grantham, right? Oh, this should be good because Tom Herman from story. the Houston no, game when, when when you guys had Lamar and they were playing in Houston. Yeah, I don't remember that one. So I was at a coaching clinic and I had asked. I had still asked have the Ed Oliver uh, bobblehead over there from that game. Anyway. Oh, yeah, that, that guy did not suck. Um, <laughs> I was like, all right, so you guys went hurry up to the line and then you drain the clock every time. He's like, right. So we were really impressed by Louisville's blitz packages and we thought they were actually probably pretty hard to signal in. So we wanted to go super fast to keep Louisville in some basic, like really basic stuff. And then we just kind of hoped that eventually they would just all out blitz. Which that's it. That's, that is perfect. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've read, I read, um, the it's better to be feared that uh, Ian O'Connor wrote the book about the Patriots dynasty. And there's a lot in there about uh, Belichick kind of coaching against the other coach and factoring into the game plan and the in-game management. Some, some sense of like what the other coach was like, what they could be goaded into what their proclivities were. And it's funny. Uh, Todd Grantham is uh, like, the, they would be like, honor killing blitzes where it's like you did something to humiliate me and now i have to kill you and it would be yes. outrageous defenses yeah and blitzes and stuff and you know he cost them the 2016 game against kentucky like it's todd grantham's fault they lost that game 100 percent. just outrageous uh blitzes because he knew he was out of there uh and they i mean it was like you play some some 12 year old in germany and madden or whatever and they do that stuff like that's what they were doing uh so he's he's a wild one for sure Belichick said that he would chart. I think it was Belichick or somebody on the Patriots said that they would chart where the head coach stood normally yeah. on the sideline for punt. And then if the head coach was in a weird spot on punt, then they would basically figure some kind of fake was coming. That, that's just, that's the shame about uh, 
to the extent that that they were cheating to whatever, 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 whatever. But it overshadows the fact that like Bill's done a great job with the the psychological part of the game. And, and like for instance, just goading Mike Martz into being patient in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Just knowing he would not do that. You know, or, or looking at Thurman Thomas and be like, I bet he hates blocking. You know, when he was the defensive coordinator for the Giants mm-hmm. in Super Bowl 25, like that's to to have that that level of awareness. And it's a shame that Bobby Petrino is such an asshole because he's that good at that stuff, but he can't get out of his own damn way and just treat people like like humans. <laughs> you know, like he's every bit as good at breaking down what your defense does, figuring out what your rules are. Uh, noticing that this linebacker is terrible at this. You know, there are stories uh, when he was here uh, where they, you know, on Tuesdays, they're, here's the game plan, here's film, we're going to show you. And he would tell the guys, like, if you don't score on this play, you'll never play here again. But then they would go out and they would score on that play. And then the guys would talk about it. They'd be like, we're going to kill everybody. You know, just the 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 faith-building part of that. Uh, and, but he just can't connect to other humans. And it's a shame because it's a waste. It is a total waste. Even for what he has to show for, which has been an amazing career, it's a waste because he could be better. He could be McVeigh. He could be, you know, these guys. Like he, he yeah. But he can't get out of his own way and not be an asshole. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited we get to use the ballad of Bobby Petrino again on cover three. The, the uh, amazing song. If you guys have, you've heard, I know you've heard it. Oh, I know. Yes. Yeah. I know all about this. Uh, how would you be? How would you like to be Mrs. Petrino? <sighs> I mean, not just like in general, but I mean, like in this situation where you have to go back to freaking Arkansas uh, for all yeah. this time. I mean, it's uh, sometimes coaches have to leave a town because of something completely not football related. Never had that happen in Tallahassee. So, no, never. <laughs> uh, do you have a now that you've been in the AC? Little's been in the AC, what, 10 years now? Uh, nine years in 2014 is first year. Do you have a least favorite officiating crew? But like, like I, I mean, I, I, you have one you picked out. Like, all right, these guys. You just kind of okay, know, so, like when you see it announced, like you know, it's gonna be a. It, they're just gonna be an absolute effing. No, I'm I'm not that meticulous. I kind of I, I don't pay attention to them that much. But I don't like any of them. If you're asked, you know, you want the truth. Uh, if I if I knew their names, I would say it was the crew that worked the Wake Forest game in 2021. That that's uh, they uh, Louisville got Louisville got called for a block in the back with the right tackle pass blocking because the guy did like a spin move and it was just kind of a crappy spin move. And he just two hand shoves the guy's spin move in the back. Like they never even lost connection. And they get was called that for earlier, late in the, in the year, uh, middle, right in the middle, right in the middle. Is this uh, at wake? The, yes, it was. Okay. I can figure this out. Actually, I, 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 the, I have. Yeah, they snapped the, the ball. Strangest before. things that have ever occurred in the realm of officiating with Florida State have occurred at Wake Forest on in about three different games. Um, they so. snapped the ball. I think about the four yard line, like four seconds left on the clock in the first half. Louisville stuffs them. Clock expires. Louisville's like get to the locker room. They, they stop, put a second back on, and let Wake Forest kick a field goal. Louisville is by field goal, uh, and all in that game, uh, just one of the most infuriating games I've, I've ever seen. So whoever the hell those people are, out of here. Close second. It was, uh, whoever, it was Jeff, whoever. Good. Jeff Magalanis. Uh, I, well, to hell with that, dude. We've seen that crew. <laughs> they're not our least favorite crew, but but we, they're they're on. Who's the your list. least favorite crew? Oh, Heaser. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Don't you think, Graham? Like the the crew that they had last week in the swamp is yeah. Who who was the one that Jimbo had such a issue with? Oh shoot! Um, the kind of jacked, bald. Um, damn it! Wasn't Flanagan? It was Flanagan, wasn't it? Was it Flanagan? Okay, yeah. Because Flanagan did the Nigel Bradham game, right? Yeah. The Nigel Bradham game is like like a hitting too hard penalty type game. Back before targeting was even a thing in like I remember that. that, Oh, was that oh nine or oh eight? I think it had to be oh eight. Play Miami in even in odd years, don't you at home? Uh, yeah, it's a good point. So it had to be oh, oh nine. Yeah, home. Yeah, maybe eleven. Was it eleven? Oh, it was twenty eleven. That was twenty eleven. Yeah, it's Dawkins, Bradham. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty eleven. That that was that hitting too hard penalty. That, that was yeah. um. Yeah. So, I, Mark, I if you remember the time Florida State was playing and the ball was moved during a measurement, that was a game at Wake no. Forest. Uh. <laughs> There's a there's another series of events at Wake Forest where like there's a there's a holding call on uh, on a on a play that Wake doesn't even really try to rush the passer like there's some there's some things that happen at, at Wake Forest that you're just like what the hell is going on um, so yeah it's uh, but, when you said that, that that caught my ear the one ref okay. tries to bat the pass which is an awkward yeah like, the ref, ref, like, ref, ref tried to jump there or like get out of the way he's hit like, a pass uh <laughs> some good ones there's some good but ones. i saw you do that and i was like what's he yeah i realized you were yeah, yeah that, that they were they were all within like a three-year span i was like okay so whatever the your projection is for games that wake take off like seven points here this is but i i do have a theory and the Duke media got really mad at me for this this year, but I, I think I'm correct. And actually, like, I can prove this statistically now. There is some protectionism for, like, the more, like, the more academic, less athletic schools within the league. Like, they, you're not going to get as many holding calls against those guys as you probably should. Like, are you they're, trying they're, to? Are you are you trying to say it's like you're mean to them? Like. <laughs> So There's they're like a, trying to finger on the scales and sort of like take it easy. You ever have to do like uh corporate training? It's like their unconscious bias, right? <laughs> like that they're trying to protect the the, okay. the weakling uh team by not like by allowing a certain level of you're just gonna have to know it. I think you have to coach through it. Like, hey, you're not gonna get these calls, right? It, it's just kind of like first half this year of FSU Wake was was I mean. Both wake tackles graded out in the single digits on PFF, so it was not a good day for them. Like Verse and Peyton were extremely effective on the day, but it was, you know. Can I tell you guys something? I didn't miss not playing Wake Forest at all this year, and Louisville does all right against them. But I, I just, I don't like Dave Glosson. I never have, uh, and I don't like that cheesy shit they do with the slow, uh, elongated mesh thing. I, I just, it's hokey to me, uh, and I'm glad they got their ass kicked a lot this year. He, uh, I think he knows his time's up there. I think so too. I, I'm like, surprised he didn't try. To... are different. I agree. I agree. It's almost like the games left me. It's kind of how I feel like he has sounded. Uh, and it's it's weird though because Wake Forest, oddly enough, 
they have like a ton of really like the the good kind of rich boosters that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, I I vividly yeah. remember sitting at the ACC tournament, uh, the Zion Williamson's year at at Duke, and uh, Louisville got eliminated, and I stayed because I knew it was going to be Duke North Carolina in the final, so I stayed. But throughout the game, they're flashing famous alums from every school, and I'd never heard of any of Wakes at all. But they're all filthy rich. And you would think, like, the NIL world about like, here's a chance to sort of flex a little bit. And instead, they're like, they want it even less. Apparently, they have some. Like, I was like, yeah, Clawson knows he can't keep guys around now in the NIL era, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, his best players are now playing for Oklahoma, Texas, and Notre Dame. And somebody's like, no, they actually have some, man. Like, like so they just misspin it? I don't know. Uh, but would you guys would you guys make of him uh trotting out wakey leaks again uh to uh to bruce feldman after uh the ncaa got involved with michigan he's like where was the ncaa for us it's like your guy did it, it was your guy <laughs> like what do you want the ncaa to do it's your radio guy calling other people like what the, it's such a weird thing and i was kind of disappointed bruce printed that i just thought like i would just listen i'm not gonna write that up uh, it's just such a weird uh, victim mindset, and it didn't apply. It wasn't a good analogy at all. It sounds like an HR issue. <laughs> you know, yeah, like the right. calls are coming from inside the house, bro. Yeah, it's your news. Uh, your radio, uh, uh, color commentator. Yeah, that's that. That is, yeah, that that is bizarre. Um, that's actually a good. Is, Jim, so, hey, is Jimbo ever going to coach again? I want to know what you guys think. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I don't think he can quit it. Okay. I don't know what form he's going to coach. Like, I do think he loves coaching ball. Um, like, would I would he be happy somewhere? Would he be happy at like a lower level where it's like not so life and death, or does he need life and death too? Like, if Rich Rod got the Mississippi State job. I could kind of see Jimbo. Like, I think it's probably smart for him to take a year off. A lot of coaches should take a year off after they get fired. Like, to reassess, go visit some places, see how other teams practice, you know. Recharge a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of these guys, like, we definitely know they should take a a year off to, like, dry out in some cases, right? Like, they serious, you know, substance type stuff. Sure. Because the job, like, I, Jimbo's not in that category to my knowledge, but like, I do think he should take a year off just to kind of go around, just, like, just relax for a little bit. I mean, you have 75 million uh, now additional, but I don't think he can quit. I, I think he'll be back. Like, even if it's like, I could see him at like Jacksonville State. I was thinking like in like Middle Tennessee, stock still's out of there. Like, yes. Something like that. I think so, but still, like, I bet you. I, th- I think he'd need a power five job to be honest with you, Mark. I, I think okay. he would want to land at a place like West Virginia or something like that. Okay. I think Jimbo would have a hard time going anywhere that he knows that he, he can't at least get some high, high level recruits there. Uh, so that would be my guess. All right. I want to Ivy League. <laughs> like he runs a super complicated system. I, get it, I was going to say get some quarterbacks that can do all that stuff. No, I think you might be onto something there, bud. What do you think of uh, Syracuse hiring Georgia's corners coach, who'd been like, there for repu- one year? Reputationally, like people love Fran Brown, and he's from the Northeast. 
And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like it's not possible to do better than Dino did because I think it probably is on the margins. Like maybe maybe a game a year better, but like they they averaged three ACC wins. You were in the same league they were in. You're a much better program than Syracuse is in my lifetime. Like the ACC is a lot harder than the old Big East. Like I think. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. In what world do we think it's reasonable to expect four and four in the conference at Syracuse? Because Dino was averaging three wins. They weren't always pretty. They had some weird losses. They have like no NIL. All their best players like got got poached. But I guess if the guy can like recruit locally and uh, I don't know, I but uh, about the recruit locally thing, like I read his bio when they announced him and they're like, he's had a, a success recruiting in the Northeast. I'm like, I don't want to do that can recruit in the Northeast. That doesn't help me at all. <laughs> I yeah, want to do that can recruit I, down where all the guys are. The Holy Cross guy is the guy I, w- I would have hired. Bob Chesney. He almost beat or Boston Monk, College this year. or something. Sure. Like, if you want to go run the triple, I, I think that's that's totally fine, right? Like, Leopold, Chesney, like a guy that's like, okay, some guys just win. They just yeah. have a system. They know yeah. how to recruit to it, and they're gonna win. Like they're they're maximizers. They're gonna get whatever your program can really bear. Yeah. And I, Fran Brown is risky, but we'll see. I mean, I think we're gonna have a lot of turnover in this league in the next like couple of years, probably. Oh I, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I didn't. I didn't. I had. I had no real like feeling about it. I just felt like it was like let's just get somebody from Georgia. Like I don't know anything about this guy. I'm just yeah. be totally straight with you, and I. Maybe he'll be fine. And he, if he wanted to jump in line, you know, from a position coach to be a head coach and Syracuse wants to do that. I mean, here's the thing. I don't have like super firm feelings on it because I don't really know that anyone, like you were saying, like, that kind of doesn't matter because it's Syracuse. Like there's a ceiling on what this is going to be no matter what. But it was, I just thought it was interesting. They didn't even bother like trying with a head coach uh, or anybody. It was just like, we're just going to try to get somebody from Georgia. Do you guys remember years ago? I cannot remember which it was Bowling Green. It was Bowling Green when they were like, we got to hire a new coach and their AD just Googled who has the best offense. And it was at the time it was Texas tech and Mike Leach. Do you remember this? Yeah. And they started just looking at which assistant coach on Mike Leach's <laughs> offense they could afford. And they hired his running backs coach. Yes. <laughs> what was this dude's name? It was, not, it was, yeah, the it was Jinx. Not, uh... Jasper be, Jasper Sanks? Uh, no, it was, it was like Bobby Jinx, I think. No. Okay, I could I could be I, but I, that's that was what I thought of. It's just like let's just hire the dude from Georgia we can afford. That's what I thought of. Yeah, that uh, Jasper Mike Sanks Jinx. was a running back at Georgia at one point, but uh, no, definitely not uh, not on the staff uh, at anywhere to my knowledge. By the way, like Bowling Green. I kind of laughed at the Scott Loeffler hire. Me too. He doesn't suck. Like I know. They, those guys play hard. Sometimes the quarterback plays like a total idiot, but like the rest of the team plays real. I, I watch a lot of Mac. It's on CBS Sports Network. You know, I, I we we watch a lot of Mac. Um the defense plays good. Sorry, like we're we're completely off the rails, uh talking bowling green on, on the Nolcast. But like <laughs> they they play hard, man. And like they're they Mike that defense. Jinx. Mike Jinx. Yeah. Mike Jinx. By the way, just, won... I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish, bud. But just listen to this. Listen to this run of coaches for Bowling Green. Greg Brandon. Well, Urban Meyer. Heard of him. 
Urban Meyer, Greg Brandon, Dave Clawson, Dino Babers, Mike Jinks, the running backs coach, Texas Tech. <laughs> <laughs> what a disaster. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Yeah, that I don't is, know how we ended up here at all. Uh, it's it's always fun. Uh, that, look, everybody who's still hanging out in the chat is absolutely enjoying this. Um, do we need to do a prediction? I believe we probably have to. I'm going to go 27-23 FSU. I think Louisville's going to steal this one. Okay. Uh, it, I don't know how. Uh, if anything, I think uh, forcing turnovers from, from Rotomaker, I, I just – I have this uh, faith in Jeff Brom and these guys in a big game right after they just – Fell in their freaking faces uh, against Kentucky. I think you're going to get. You watch him on the sidelines, boy. He's um, wired uh, sometimes, and I think you're going to get that uh, this weekend. He's so fun. He's so different from Satterfield, boy. It's been a whiplash, I think, for everybody. Pleasantly, let me say. But I, I think they'll get after Odomaker, and I think that they would. It will feel like they stole it, but I do think that they're going to steal it. I can buy that. I mean, I, I, it does feel kind of 21-17 Florida State. Oh, that's game. totally reasonable to me. I think that's about where it'll be. But Louisville's done uh, the five and one and one score games this year. Like they, they, they'll swim in those waters. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, we we might have a really really good game here. I, I think I'm it's so gonna be a fun game. I do. I think it's gonna be a good game, uh, and I would love a shootout. I just think it would be fun for this game to be fun for people to watch. Because the ACC series against has almost never been worth watching. I totally see what you guys are doing, by the way, with the low scoring. Like, bad weather, plumbers not amazing. Obviously, Rodermakers are back up. I just, like, when I put it into my model, like, certain coaches just have such high offensive scores that it's, like, it's very hard for me to bet. Like, like I, I bet under in uh, Duke-Louisville this year. Or, uh, yeah, Louisville-Duke. But like other than that, it's hard for me to like get to unders with these coaches just because they feel like they always find ways to score, and a lot of times like create a freebie wide open you know type yeah. explosive play. So yeah, it'll be a test. I think man. this I one, will, yeah, I think it'll be fun. Like I think we're gonna get both of these guys knowing like they gotta have it. You're gonna get yeah. scheme wise, and you're drawing up some stuff. I, there will, certainly will be things both sides will be like they never did that all year, or they saved that for this one. That sort of thing, like Joey Gaywood throwing a pass or something like I'm like that sort of thing. It'll all be there. You'll get a Jeff Brom trick play for this one for sure. I I could see that. Uh, the chat does need to know: Does Louisville have a problem in bad weather? The sample set is one, but the the Pittsburgh game was was not good. So like, do do we think this is a trend, or do we think that's like, hey, turnovers happen in bad weather sometimes? Yeah, uh, they played two other times in not great weather and it wasn't nearly as bad as Pitt was. Pitt was a combination of bad weather and that field, which yeah. you know just looks like my backyard. It's you know, terrible. Like Pitt, it is awful. And Brian Brom was furious. He complained to the league about it uh, afterwards. Uh, it, it was that bad. Uh, but they so, lost their right guard in the pregame, right? And pre yeah, towards freaking ACL in the pregame warm-up. <laughs> like, yeah, he was, uh, Brom was furious uh, about that field. In fact, if you look, uh, if you go watch his Monday press conferences after the next two games, he made like passive aggressive comments about Pittsfield like both times. 
<laughs> he's like, he's still, you could tell he was really pissed about it like a couple weeks later. So uh, I, I wouldn't say that they had, I mean, they had a bad game in bad weather, but it, it, two other times that the NC State was kind of uh, rainy and kind of gross uh, and weirdly cold uh, for that early in the year. They, they did okay. They won the game. Oh, Charlotte, Charlotte is turfed. Ah, they're fine then. <sighs> All right. Like, I didn't know it was turf. Yeah. When did that happen? Uh, I don't know, but that's what the chat's saying. Um, if you want to have, like, I got a feel that'll make you a run for your money, though. Okay. Go watch Oklahoma play at BYU. Oh, BYU's field? Specifically for that game. I don't know what was going on okay. out, out in, in, you know, Utah country that, that time of year. Like, go pull, like, that was like the weirdest looking fear, field I've ever seen for a college game. It's like, this grass lo- looks, Looks like my, my landscaper didn't come this week. It, it is insane. Like, like there's like huge bald patches just laid over. It, it dull blade, you know. No, Arizona State no. always has a pretty crappy field, too. They do. I don't know oh, why. Uh, Tepper installed turf because it's soccer, also. Uh, Wait, are we sure? I, I thought I, no, they, hold they do host the their, the Charlotte uh, Knights or whatever the soccer team is as well. So, yeah, that may be true. I know it was. Um, it was natural grass as recently as two years ago, but the, the soccer team might have changed that. Hold up. Uh, you know, I had to look this up because it, in our model, we actually do care about turf versus grass. Um, Louisville plays on turf a lot. Well, and it actually, it, it, it does impact the numbers when it comes to, uh, comes to weather. Um uh, so the transition to South turf Carolina. in 2022. Yeah, the, yeah, in, okay. Just in so, time to feel that shitty ass Panthers team. Woof. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's it's definitely turf because I I've got I've got uh I've got high res photos here of um the uh North Carolina, South Carolina game. Yeah, it, I, I remember do, going through this because we were like, wait, because we found the article. And we had it as grass in our system, and then now it's it, it is turf. Yeah, okay, that's correct. Sorry, it's a long season, man. <laughs> I hear you. Charlotte hasn't. We haven't had reason to know this up until now. Uh, yeah, we, we haven't <laughs> been back in, in quite a while, man. It's uh, twenty fourteen, right? For Florida State, the what yeah. now? Yeah, twenty fourteen was the last time. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, now Louisville and Pitt have made it since joining the league. Louisville's made as many times as Miami has in two fewer decades, or one. Fewer That's decades. an excellent trivia question. Yeah. So uh, is Wake Forest. Florida's quarterback hit the portal. I'm very concerned about her bowl. Uh, well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, oh. forget that. Yeah. Ouch. That's uh. That's pretty bad. What bowls? Oh, uh, Jacurry Brown is going to play quarterback for Miami. That's, that's the other important update in the bowl game because Van Dyke's bouncing. So he. May he's going to visit here very soon. Van Dyke? Yeah, I think Brom likes him. I'm, I I don't know how much of what happened this year with them uh, is is him, or the last year and this year, is him, and Mario just sort of beats the hell out of his quarterbacks. I mean, Justin Herbert didn't even look like Justin Herbert, for crying out loud, uh, under Mario. So I, I don't know, but I think Jeff's probably earned the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> if you just grab Mario's quarterbacks, in the blind, I bet you're profitable. Hmm. Like if you're a good offensive coach and you're picking up quarterbacks after after they play for Cristobal, like I, I 
almost certainly you're going to play better with the new guy. I, I, I would think. Um, and Brahm's an excellent coach. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting portal market, man, for sure. Like, and Dykes out there, Leonard, including myself, got like a million crystal balls today to go to Notre Dame. Yeah. Funny how that works. Uh, you know, immediately. Oh, and, yeah, and he was one of those no contact portal guys, too. So that was. Yeah, exactly. Is that what Notre Dame's is this what Notre Dame's gonna do now? They'll be like, which senior quarterback do we want this year? Well, I mean, if you're not gonna spend on an offensive coordinator, you might as well spend on a quarterback, right? Like like they're they're, they're wow. saving money with, with their in-house coordinator promotion. Uh so yeah, they could have had a Utah's guy if they just spend up. How is Notre Dame not like what in the world are we doing? That's what, what I'm saying. Like you're hiring a rookie head coach who's a defensive guy, and we're not willing to go go pony up like 1.7 from for Utah's guy, like what? What are we? I mean, how is how is money a thing for Notre Dame? Seriously, it's apparently it's it is not, but but it can't be. Somebody messed up here. I mean, look, you had the guy at the hockey game. That Utah's coordinator is hanging out with Marcus Freeman at mm -hmm. the hockey game in Notre Dame. Like something's weird there. Do you think for they that, let him expense those fall. tickets? The what now? Do you think they let him expense those tickets at least? <laughs> Utah, yeah. <laughs> and make the guy pay for it. Go Dutch. Oh, man. Seriously. Oh, gosh. Um, everybody be safe up there. Obviously, you know, drive safe in, in the weather. Mark, I, I assume you are going? I am leaving after the show tomorrow, and I'll do the show there uh, Friday and then be there all day Saturday for the game and come back on Sunday. So I'm going to make a big weekend out of it. I you expect there to be a, a pretty good Louisville contingent uh, there. Uh, for this one, people are pretty excited about this one, especially because no one has to really save any money for going anywhere for basketball postseason. Like this is this is your chance to uh, to take a trip, you know, for somebody good uh, this year. So I, I expect Lil would have a pretty good crowd there for sure. Nice man, it'll be a good time. Mark, really appreciate. It. You got to plug the show. Oh, we're this is we're on, yeah, ninety three nine the Ville uh, here uh, in Louisville. Uh, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. Bud was on today. Did great. Uh, and uh, you're welcome to listen to us anytime. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome, buddy. I'll see you guys. See you, dude. Appreciate it, Mark. Anytime.